0: I love July because we get to do some special things, not only because of 4th of July, but because I love it every single year now. It's kind of an annual thing. We're during the month of July. It's summertime, so we really slow down on Sundays. We have an unplugged approach to worship, and then for the whole month of July, we kind of hang in a book of the Bible. And so for this whole month of July, for the five Sundays of July, we'll be walking through the book of the Bible called Deuteronomy. And it's an amazing book of the Bible because of the power that it conveys and moves through the rest of scripture it's the fifth book of the bible but man it impacts all the other ones that follow it i just read from psalms earlier and a lot of the psalms that david writes who was a king david and Goliath's story a man after god's own heart very important person and character in scripture he quotes a lot from the book of deuteronomy about how God is our Father, how God's unfailing love and faithfulness will never let us down. But even more than that, it continues to move on in the New Testament where Jesus is tempted by the enemy, by Satan, and he quotes from Deuteronomy to provide victory during these temptations. And man will not live by bread alone, but on every word of God. Do not tempt the Lord your God, but trust him. He's quoting from this book. And I also think it's great that you're going to never have to guess how to spell Deuteronomy again because you're going to see it for like five weeks straight. So you're going to know like, hey, yeah, I can spell that. Let's go. It's lot, you know, some of those other ones are a little easy. But this one you got. And the subtext for this whole collection and conversation is choosing the good life. I want, to, I want you to have a good life. But I think our definition of good and God's definition of good sometimes can not only be different but be polar opposites. What we're gonna do is realign a little bit of what it means to have a good life when it comes to following and trusting God. And we're going to walk through some of these stories of God's people, the earliest days of God's people. But I would love for you to follow along with us. And one of the ways that you can do that is if you don't bring a actual Bible, which I'd encourage you, hey, if you got an actual Bible, bring it for this month. You can also download the YouVersion Bible app, which we have our notes saved on there as well, because I would love for you to follow along. I would love, you, I'd love for this to be a participation type thing. I know it's summer, but we'll get a little school behind this, right? Because I, I want God's word to be a part of your life. I want God's word to be a navigation tool and wisdom for you. And that's why we gave you these journals. I want want you to take this journal home. I want you to use it in your personal time. We have a little practice we call the first 15. Where the first 15 minutes of every day are God's. Not emails, not Instagrams, it's God's. And we spend five minutes in prayer, five minutes with some Spotify or Apple Music worship and then we spend five minutes in God's word. I'm gonna give you what to read for this next few weeks, and I think it's gonna be powerful for you. And if you do that every day this week, I promise you, I guarantee you, got a lot of guarantees when I was buying that car on Friday. So I wanna guarantee you that your week will be different, and you will feel closer to God at the end of these seven days. But let's go into it today. Let me pray, and let's jump right into Scripture this morning. Father, we're so thankful, and we open our journals today, God, to write some things down, but not only do we open our journals, but we open our hearts to you as well. And we love you, Lord. We trust you. And I pray that you would speak to us this morning. And God, I pray that you would be with us in this room. And I pray that you would also be with our next generation, all of our kids down the hall, Father. I pray that you would bless all of our leaders and teachers as they teach our young kids about Jesus and how Jesus is real and can be their very best friend. Bless them. Lord, we love you, we trust you. Once again, in Jesus' name, we all say. Give me a good amen, local city. And keep those cheers going. For everybody watching, for local city online, so glad that you're with us. Whether in person or whether you're watching right now or on demand later in the week, we are glad you are here. So let me give you a little bit of Jeopardy information for the, De- for the book of Deuteronomy. So the first thing is, as I said, fifth book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. It's a good one to camp out in. If you're reading through the Bible in the air, you got to hustle strong to get through Leviticus. But once you get to Deuteronomy, it's awesome. Written by Moses, it's the kind of the last chapter or last book of the Torah. And what happens is, is it's written around 1406 B.C. It's the final address to the Israelites before entering the promised land that God had given them. And it's an explanation of covenant faithfulness. Now, I love this last bullet point. Why do I like this? Because I love the fact that Deuteronomy literally means second law, so it's Moses reminding the people of God what God said, but it also can be translated loosely to this idea of it's an explanation. I don't know about you, uh, but I've been, we've been going through some different things where we're getting systems in place, and uh, not only with, like I said, I went was at the dealership for a long time on Friday, but we're also getting some new accounting and HR things set up here at the church, and they've been, the, the leads on these new teams have been sending me like super long emails, I'm not a super long email guy. I'm like, if you can fit it in the subject line, just put it there. That way i do not have to actually open it. But I'm reading these emails and I'm just like totally glazing over and I have pretty much called both the team leads for these, these areas and said, hey, can we just set up like a Zoom or like a FaceTime or something and you can explain it to me? I'm a big Office fan. If you've ever seen that episode of The Office where the boss, Michael Scott, he, the, their accounting department tells them that they have a surplus and they want to, he, want, he needs to use that or else they're going to have to take it out of the budget for next year. And so he explains to him like surplus using all this financial and business accounting. And Michael Scott goes, okay, okay, explain it to me again, but like I'm five. And so then the accountant goes, well, imagine you have a lemonade stand, and your mommy and daddy give you $10, but you'll only use 9 You want to tell them you use 10 so that you can get, oh, okay, now explain it like I'm one. That's kind of what he keeps saying, right? So I need that sometimes. And so today we're going to kind of break it down, and Moses really is doing the same thing for God's people because God's people are kind of like five-year-olds. Uh, when it comes to the way they live their life and approach their relationship with God. But Moses is really taking time to explain the covenant faithfulness of God. What does it mean? Covenant faithfulness essentially means that God is committed to his people. Covenant means that he has proven it. Not only has he said it, but he's done things that have been covenant agreements. It's why when we do marriage talks here, we talk about how marriage is not a contract that you sign, it's a covenant that you step into. It's thicker than a piece of paper. And that's why I think marriage has been so dehumanized in a sense when it comes to our culture because they think I'm just signing off on something. No, no, God gets to define what it is and he says it's a covenant because it directly illustrates his relationship with us. And faithfulness means that God is who he says he is and he's always going to be that way. That God is who he says he is and he is faithful and that faithfulness will never fail you. And this is all of what Moses is saying to the people. And chapter one really jumped jumps right into it. So if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. And it says, and it's the title of today's conversation, which is Leaving the Comfort Zone. Leaving, oh, yes, amen, that's right. Leaving the Comfort Zone. Now I know a lot of our decisions we make are about how comfortable can my life be. How comfortable can I make my bed and my pillow and my car? How comfortable can I make my daily life, right? Well, I, I just want to tell you that God is not interested in your comfort. He, he at times wants you to rest. That's what the Sabbath day is all for. But he's not interested in your comfort. He's interested in you growing and becoming who's he, who he has created you to be. And whether you've grown up in church or this is your first time, I want you to know God loves you. God has a plan for you because you are his son and daughter. And here's what Moses says. So Moses is pretty much giving like a long-ending sermon to the Israelites before they go into the Promised Land. Here's what he, this is the verse that'll kind of lead us today. It's in Deuteronomy 1:30 30 through 31. It says this: "The Lord your God is going ahead of you; he will fight for you, just as you saw him do in Egypt." There is so much here. Moses is saying, "Hey, just don't you don't forget, God is still leading you. He's still doing what God does." I don't know about you, but sometimes I have a little bit of social awkwardness. I can admit that. And one of the things that sometimes like, I'm socially awkward about is if I'm going to a party like with Adrian, it's all people that she knows, I'll say, hey, uh, you gotta go in first because you know everyone. I'm not going in first. She's like, you're the husband, go ahead, go in. I'm like, no, no, I don't know any of these people. So you gotta go in, they're gonna think, who's this random dude coming into this house, coming into this party, so you gotta go in first, right? Now, I, just, I can be open and admit that. Maybe it helps you tear down the walls a little bit of any fears or awkwardness that you have. God's the same way when it comes to any situation in your life. God is like, yeah, I'll go first, but you, we just have to make the decision that we're gonna follow him wherever he goes. Like the Lord your God is going ahead of you. He not may, he not might, he will fight for you just as you saw him do in Egypt. And again, look at what Moses is saying. You saw how the Lord your God cared for you all along the way as you traveled through the wilderness. All along the way, not in moments, but every single step, God cared for you. This is the first time the language that Moses is about to use, it doesn't start with Jesus. It starts 1,500 years earlier in the Old Testament, just as a what? As a father cares for his child. Deuteronomy, Old Testament, fifth book of the Bible, God refers to himself as father. Now he has brought you to this place. What Moses is saying is, hey, he's brought you this far, and now you're here, and you got to decide if you're going to continue to trust him because you're about to do some crazy stuff. Because it's promised land, but that doesn't mean they're not going to have to work for it. Can I tell you today... A little bit separate of a conversation, but God has promised you some great things, but it's going to take some work and faith to actually get it, just so you know, all right? God is not a God that's just like, all right, here you go. Do whatever you want. Here's all my good things. No, there are going to be this places in your life where God said, hey, I'm going to need a deeper level of trust from you. I'm going to see need some new levels of surrender so that I can keep moving you forward. Yeah, we can give it up for That's good. good. It's good. It's not my words, It's God's. So if you forget every single thing else that I said, I hope you don't, but if you forget every single other thing that I say this morning, remember this and write it down. Choosing the good life is about realizing the good life is the God-led life. You want to have a good life? Let God lead you. It's pretty much that simple. Yes. Is it going to be, are you going to have to question or maybe have some doubts? Yeah, of course. But let me just tell you, I'm a seasoned 35-year-old, father of two. And I know like, that's not a lot, but I just want to tell you. I've been, but I've been in ministry a long time and following Jesus for a long time. There has never been a time where I have been sitting and thinking and reflecting on my life and said, you know what? God, I really knew better than you in that season. And I'm glad I did what I thought I should do. doesn't work. And I know we, like, we laugh at that, but some of us, we may live our life that way that we don't realize, oh, what does God say? Can I teach you something? Because this is what Moses is trying to teach the Israelites, and this will some of the things unpack. but it's a principle that I need you to get. When I was a youth pastor at our sending church, there was, there was, I was just going through a lot. I was like, man, I wouldn't do it this way, and I think we should do it this way. And I remember my boss came up to me. He said, hey, have you ever heard the word submission? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, I think God's trying to teach you that. And I said, well, I submit. I, I listen. He's like, well, let me just remind you what that word means. <laughs> because you cannot be in submission and agreement at the same time. Anyone can do something that they agree with, but when people follow God, when can you actually submit and trust God when you don't agree with what he's telling you to do? I know it's quiet because I'm thinking about the same thing. Because I think a lot of us, we've put a lid on our relationship with God where we're like, God, I don't agree with what your word says there, and so I'm not going to do it. That's great, but you've just completely denied yourself entering into the promised land that God has for you. Because there's going to be moments where you need to realize, I didn't create the universe, God did. I didn't conquer sin and death in the grave, Jesus did. So who am I to say that I know know better than God? Who am I to argue with God? Let me tell you this, God is always going to be open to your questions. Look at the book of Psalms, look at what we're about to talk about in Deuteronomy. God is a welcoming God when it comes to questions. What God does not welcome is a questioning heart. What do I mean by, what is the difference? It's okay to go to God and say, God I just need, need your help figuring this out. I don't know why. Help me, but where does it begin to move to questioning? God, I don't, think, I don't think you know best. I think I may know better. Or God, I don't think you're really good or you're really loving if you would say this or ask us to do that. And that leads to unbelief, which is what Moses is about to unpack. The fact that the Israelites had stepped into unbelief. I'll prove it to you. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy 1, the first, the first verse. These are the words of Moses that spoke to all the people of Israel where they were in the wilderness east of the Jordan River. They were camped in the Jordan Valley near Suf between Paran on one side and Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dezihab on the other. Normally, this is huge, look at this. Normally it takes only 11 days. Everybody say 11 days. Very nice. Normally, it takes only 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, going by the way of Mount Seir. But 40 years after the Israelites left Egypt on the first day of the 11th month, Moses addressed the people of Israel, telling them everything the Lord had commanded him to say. If you missed it, their journey was supposed to take 11 days. How long did it take? 40 years. Good job, class. Very nice. 40 years. Why? Because of one thing. Unbelief. Unbelief. Some of us are so frustrated with where we're at in our relationship with God, but I would pose to you the problem is not God doing something. The problem is our level of unbelief. The problem is us just saying, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you and submit to you even though I don't agree. I want the best life possible for you. I truly do want a good life for you. But a good life doesn't look like my comforts and my expectations and my preferences. A good life looks like a God-led life. That God's leading me, and I'm trusting him. Because I know what I'm about to step into. It's pretty crazy. Because what you see along the way is the Israelites constantly. I mean, it's, it's funny. I see the, the funny little memes even now. Like Moses says, hey, we've just... Cross the Red Sea, God's part of the I mean imagine you're there and you have been delivered out of slavery. You've seen God do the ten plagues in Egypt, frogs, locusts, water into blood. I mean, just crazy stuff. And then if it doesn't get any better, he parts the Red Sea so that you can walk across it and get away from the Egyptian army, and then he crashes all the waves down on this army, and they're like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. And Moses says, Hey, I gotta go up to the mountain to talk to God for a few. Just hang here. And in like 30 minutes, the entire nation, millions of people of Israel, melt all their jewelry to make a golden calf. Moses' brother Aaron is like leading the charge, and they're like, okay, God, you're never here. You've forgotten about us. And it's been like just a short time. And Moses comes back, and he's like, what are you doing? Do you not remember? So God's like, okay, strike one. Well, not really, but it was the, kind of the first evidence that they have a lot of unbelief and a lot of complaining A lot of murmuring. That's what the Bible says a lot about the Israelites. They tend to murmur. Do you know what murmur is? Go on your social media for 20 minutes. (laughs) Or Twitter or watch the news. Like, it's all murmuring. It's like, I wouldn't do it that way. I don't care how you would do it. That's not what I think is right. I don't care what you think is right. I care what this says. I care what God says, okay? And people need to understand that God is who he says he is, and he's a good father, and his name is above everything. And we can lean into that today. Because here's what happens. I want you to write this down. Here's what happens. Are you ready? This is what happens to the Israelites. And I wrote this down in my journal this way. Is that they were distracted by their own method, their own gods, the golden calf. They were distracted by their enemies. We see that a lot through Exodus and Numbers. Distracted. And those distractions led to delays. Meaning that they dug their feet in the ground. And those delays led to defeats. The enemy doesn't defeat you right away. He distracts you, he delays you from trusting God, and then he defeats you. Some of us are distracted from what we do on this day has not become a priority anymore. It's like, well, if, we, if, we're, if we're free, we'll go, rather than, no, we're going, everything else bows to it. What about when, we, when it comes to serving and giving? No, I'm doing that. It's not a, it's not a question. I'm doing that. I'm not going to be distracted from that. I'm not going to let bills or difficult financial situations distract me from giving. I'm not going to let my schedule distract me from serving because I've been created with a purpose to help people. Because I don't want to be delayed away from the thing that God has for me. I don't want to spend 40 years on something that should have took 11 days. Some of us were waiting for those addictions and those fears to break in our life. and We've been dealing with them for years, but it could have been dealing with them for days if we just believed God, if we just trusted him. And I'm not not demeaning your feelings, but as you know a local city, we say it this way, choices lead and feelings follow. I love the brutal honesty too. This is why I love Moses. Because he's like, hey, just so you know, because he's kind of fed up with them. Because right now you just got to put yourself in Moses' shoes. He's not allowed to go into the promised land because the Israelites just, they got on his last nerve and he freaked out a little bit. And God's like, Moses, you're the leader. You can't do that. You're not going to be able to go in either. So literally, none of the adult generation that was freed from slavery in Egypt, went into the promised land. It was just their kids and two adults, Joshua and Caleb. So 40 years, God was rooting out all that unbelief, all those people who didn't trust God. And he said, hey, the kids, that's the next generation. You guys are going to be the ones I trust with this, and you're going to step into the promised land. That's why we take very seriously kids' church and all that, because if we screw it up, which I don't think we are, but at least they'll be ready. And It all came from this idea that we're just going to believe that God is who he says he is. And I love where Moses is kind of brutalized. Hey, like, hey, I'm not able to go in either, all right? And here's why. Because we have not believed that God is who he says he is. I love, um, I've been blessed with some great in-laws in my life. Um, Adrian's parents are awesome. And I never forget going to lunch on a Sunday with her dad one time. We were all there. And we went to this restaurant um, over in Pinellas County, over in Palm Harbor area, where we used to live. And uh, we went to the restaurant, and uh, we ordered our food, and we were having a good time. And then uh, the waiter came up, and he, and he said, hey, table ho- how, how was everything? And my father in law, without missing a beat, was like, eh, one very good. <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, I love that. Like, I, sometimes it's like, because I'm the guy, it's like, oh, you know, it was great, even though it wasn't, you know, because sometimes we just do that. But he was like, eh, one very good. And I laughed. I was like, oh, this is awesome. I love that. And the waiter was like, kind of like, oh, okay, people don't usually say it that way. But I love that brutal honesty. That's what Moses is doing. Hey, you know what Israelites, these last 40 years, eh, had been very good. So do better next time. Got to try again. Because here's the thing, God's okay with you failing. God's okay with it not being very good, but he wants you to learn from it. He wants you to learn from it. He doesn't want you to be distracted over and over again and delayed over and over again and defeated over and over and over again. He wants you to choose the good life, which is the God-led life. What's it continue to say, though? In Deuteronomy 1, 6 through 8, here's what he says. This is Moses begin to unpack these things. as says, when we're on Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, you've stayed at this mountain long enough. It's time to break camp and move on. Go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the neighboring regions, the Jordan Valley, the hill country, the western foothills, the Negev and the coastal plain. Go to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon and all the way to the great Euphrates River. This is verse eight, look at this. Look, I am giving all this land to you. Go in and occupy it. For it is the land the Lord, what, swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all their descendants. Now we look at that and we're like, wow, look at these great guys, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were good biblical figures, but they were also like very messed up, broken people. Just read their stories. Abraham didn't trust God and totally did his own thing and led to this nation that uprose against Israel for eternity, for like, since that time, they're still dealing with it. Isaac was an absent father at times and it led to his youngest son, Jacob, betraying him and deceiving him, but God still used him. What is the message? God can still use broken people like us, but we have to come to the honest understanding that we have messed up at times, and we failed, and we got to move forward, and what I love about Moses is saying, okay, but the big thing is Israelites, all of that's in the past, so let's go to the new thing. My wife's a huge fan of the show The West Wing. And uh, so now I have to be a big fan of it. So by my own, not, by my own choice or not, and, and it, I'll be honest, like she's watched him she's watched and then I start asking questions and she's like, why don't you just watch it? I'm like, well, you know, it's just easier if you tell me. But if, you don't, if you're unfamiliar with this big show in the late 90s, early 2000s, tons of episodes. Um, but the president, President Bartlett has this, say, this word that he says to his team. And you find this out in the first season and where he says, the where he just goes, what's next? When they're like debriefing him. And there's a time where one of the aides is debriefing him, and he goes, okay, what's next? And the aide wants to go back and say, but Mr. President, he said, excuse me, when I say what's next, I'm done with that, and we need to go to the next thing. I feel like sometimes we need to realize that God is saying, next, all right, I know we're still thinking about this, still having conversation, but what's next? I need you just to keep moving. I need you to keep taking ground. I need you to keep moving forward. I need you to just trust me. Because we keep going in verse 21, once it says, look, he's placed the land in front of you. Go and occupy it as the Lord. Look how many times Moses says, it's because God has said it. God has promised you. God has told you, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. But you all came to me and said, first let's send out scouts to explore the land for us. They will advise us on the best route to take and which towns we should enter. I think this is so important to lean into this because I love it. Moses is reminding and explaining over and over again, God promised it, God said it, you can trust it. My heart breaks for the people who once had this incredibly surrendered, trusting God, whatever you want, I'm here, I am, send me relationship. And they allow different things to get in the way. Fear use some hot, top, hot political words. They they let fear, they let deconstruction tendencies, they let a questioning spirit, they let what others say or what culture believes distract them from continuing to look and go and deeper and deeper and deeper. I want you to say, I want you to understand all these terms and themes and popular things right now will come and go, but the promises of God in his word will stand and stay forever. And look what it says, though. So Moses is saying, look, I I told you God said you can go in the land and occupy it. Yes, it's crazy over there. Yes, it's going to be hard. Yes, there's going to be battles. Yes, we got to choose to be courageous, even in the face of fear. And we got to trust God, even when we don't agree. But the good life is the God-led life. And God's promised you. But look what verse 22 says. But y'all came to me and said, first, let's send out scouts to explore the land. They look with this: they will advise us on the best route to take. Sounds like a good strategic military plan. Sounds good. Let's go send some scouts out. See, the, the big thing in our life, I want you to realize is a lot of times the good things will rob you of the God things. As I was studying for this first talk, I came across this quote that I wanted to share with you and I think it just speaks better than I ever could. So is it wrong to be real? No. But being authentic is being in a comfortable zone. God wants us to move to the uncomfortable areas of impossibilities he promises. As you read Deuteronomy, remember that God through Moses was challenging the Israelites to believe in the impossibilities, to believe he is a promise-keeping God. I promise you the local city and myself as your pastor will always be authentic and real with you but i will never allow authentic and being real be god in my life cuz sometimes i need to let god be god and say you know what you know what authentically i'm scared really life's hard a lot of re- really authentically if i can be frank i have a lot of reasons why not to but i really trust god yes. and i really believe he is who he says he is And I fear today that even in the church, we have made gods out of things that actually keep us from the God-led life. If I could challenge you as your pastor, leave the comfort zone. Because if you're comfortable, God can't use you. You have to be stretched. You have to be willing to fight and figure these things out and trust God and leave the, sometimes just leaving the emotions and trusting him. I love this verse in verse 32 as we close. But even after all he did, you refused to trust the Lord your God who goes before you looking for the okay places. No, looking for the best places to camp, guiding you with a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. What I love about that last phrase is it's the promise that God will always lead you and guide you. But I love that it didn't say, and God will lead you by the color by number drawing in the sky. (laughs) Or God will lead you by the perfectly formed tower that you can follow, that perfect line. No, what is it? A pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. Last time I checked, you can just kind of see those, but you can't really make out a specific shape. For some of us, we're waiting for God to give us some specific shape and design and color by number and plan, and then we're gonna take the step. But what you cannot deny is that at night or in the day, you know where the fire is, you know where the cloud is, and God says, hey, just go this direction. I'm leading you to the best places, and just trust me, because I want you to step into the things that I have for you. For us, local city, what is your next? What is your, like, this is my thing? For us, we always want to help you take your next step in your relationship with God, whether that's just finding a church home. I beg you, if it's not here, find somewhere. If this wasn't your cup of tea, I got a whole list of pastors and churches I can help you visit and go check out because I know you cannot do this without the church. What's beautiful about Deuteronomy is it's the first time that we begin to see the identity of the people of God, that God is God, he is their heavenly father, and he calls his people by name to be faithful to them and promise and create a covenant faithfulness to them no matter what. Well, listen, you are the people of God and you can't do the good life without the people of God in your life and helping God lead you. Even after all God did I know in my life I've refused to trust him But I'm just at a place now where God I'm going to trust you no matter what even when it seems scary you are God and I am not as we begin to finish up today here's a couple of the final verses I want to share with you I love this idea that the thing I wrote down in my journal is that I go back on my life and I realize God because of you in spite of me I think about you know, I'm a big fan of the Tampa Bay Bucks and the Lightning. But they they succeed. Well the Lightning, the Bucks will see. They succeed in spite of me. I'm not on the field playing, because that would not be a good idea. Those players, they are talented and poised and created to do that. But I'm just supposed to be in the fan cheering. Let's go. And you gotta realize that You're not supposed to be God in your life, and you will be frustrated for eternity if you try to be God in your life. The Israelites, they wanted to be God. They wanted to bring it under control. They wanted to figure it out. Can I encourage you to retire from being the master of your universe and the controller of your schedules and dreams and desires, and just say, God, whatever you have for me, I know that's best. I am never going to refuse to trust you. Deuteronomy 2, verse 7 says this. I absolutely love it. For the Lord you got, your God has blessed you in everything you have done. He has watched your every step through this great wilderness. During these 40 years, here at his local city as we close, the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. If God is with us, we lack nothing. And I believe God is with you. I believe God is with us. And I believe we lack nothing. He has watched every step. Your wilderness might have been great in the sense of it's been hard. There's been troubles. There's things that you're not proud of, you're ashamed of. There's things that people or the world has done to you and you're hurt and you're afraid. But can I tell you, if I can be the Moses given the final address, it's not the final address, I'll be back next week. But if I can give you this encouragement of just keep trusting God because he will never let you down. He's blessed you in everything that you've done. So today, what's next? Let me give you some things to do. Here's, here's some things I want you to think about. One of them is a practice for the day, a practice for every day this week leading up to next Sunday. And I would encourage you to make a gratitude list every day. Where has God been faithful in my life? If you're like, I don't know where God's been faithful, do me a favor, take a breath in, breath out, that's where God's been faithful to you. <laughs> you're alive. If you go to a house today, he's been faithful to you. If you go to a bed today, he's been faithful to you. If you open the fridge and there's food in there, he's been faithful to you. If you get in a car to drive home, he's been faithful to you. If you have friends and family in your life that you can call at a moment's notice, he's been faithful to you. If you have a church that loves and cares for you and wants to do whatever it takes to help you, you God's been faithful to you. It's amazing when we begin to make that list, we realize, oh, you know, problems and issues. Why? Because for the, God's blessed you in everything you've done. He's watched every step. During these 40 years, the Lord God has been with you and you've lacked nothing. I want you to write this down in your journal for this practice and then here's the thought. I I need you to have a moment of honesty this week. Which of God's promises have I been doubting? Have I been doubting that he really can provide for me in my financial situation? Have I been doubting God that he can really begin to help me fall in love with his church again and be used in ministry in a powerful way? Have I been doubting that God actually knows what's best for my future than I do? Have I been doubting that God actually knows what's best and is way more authoritative than culture is on some of the things that are destroying our world? Where have I been doubting God and be honest with it and be real? Because God can't deal with anything that you don't write down or admit. And here's the daily prayer for you. I believe that sometimes there's importance in just having the thing to say and just doing it. Lord, I choose to be uncomfortable as I wait for the fulfillment of your promise in my life, which may seem impossible right now in my eyes. What a statement. I choose to be uncomfortable. I want to give you this as we close. We'll stand and the worship team will lead us in one final 60-second singing because we choose to respond in worship to what God's done. But. Well, we'd love for you to write these six words down for me. And what I believe Moses is getting at with the Israelites is this right here. It's that God has, God is, and God will. God has been there for you. If even, if you don't, even if you didn't even believe in him before you stepped in the door today and you're just here because someone dragged you here or you saw an invite on Instagram or whatever, you're here for a reason and god has been involved in your life because there's breath in your lungs and there's purpose inside of you that god is reminding you of right now and that even though you may have a hundred reasons why you don't believe in him he believes in you and he loves you and cares for you he has he is god's working behind the scenes who knows what he's doing but i know he's doing something he's moving that's what god does and god will there is nothing in my future that is too hard for god why can i confidently say this because honestly local city i've been through some things God's good. God has and God is and God will. So I am believing today and trusting the book of Deuteronomy chapter 1 and 2 that God's given me these things and I am choosing to believe that the good life is the God-led life. Come on, if that helped you today, come on, give Jesus some praise. Let's stand to our feet as we close. Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church/give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.